Dark Society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues, including dark art, as well as other kinds of art, literature, film, music, also culture, philosophy, dreams, paranormal experiences, magic, and a whole lot more than that. I'm Mike Carell, director of Chet's Art, I Like to Paint Monsters, and you are listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, hosted by renowned artist Chet Zar. Hello. Hey, Chet, what's up? Not much. How are you, Mike? I'm doing good. Oh, that's good. I'm doing well, yeah. too. Uh, what have you been up to? You've been doing these sketches for people, huh? Yeah, these sketches have been going like fucking... Oops, I should have said that. Why? <laughs> yeah, he's just... I have ex- I, you know that I have I, this coded for all people that it has explicit lyrics. I know, but I should have saved a fucking for later in the show. Usually it's when we get going and you don't think about it. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I've been just doing sketches. I'm trying to do five a day, and I, I'll probably get about two months. In about two months, I'll have them done. It's crazy. It's a lot of sketches. But I've been watching Spaghetti Westerns and doing sketches. Yes. So it's been fun. <laughs> How about you? Uh, I was in Pagosa Springs, Colorado yesterday, and I was meeting with Chris Haas, who I've talked about on the show before, is this amazing sculptural, mixed media sculptural artist. But we got to have him also, on. he's the lead. Yeah, we got to have him on here. He's also the lead singer of a band called Ragwater, and he has got me involved in making a Kickstarter for them. So I was up there working on the Kickstarter video because uh, they're going to launch a Kickstarter for their full first feature length album recording on uh, CD for people. So Woo-hoo. super exciting. Having a lot of fun working with those guys, and uh, yeah, so I was there late and hanging out with the kids and the family and having a good time, and got some sleep, and here I am, ready to talk with Christopher Ulrich, who we're doing a part two episode here on today, right? Yep. Hey, Christopher. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey, first question. Do you go by Chris or Christopher? Christopher. You go by Christopher. Yeah. Okay. That's Christopher Robin. Yeah. Like Christopher (laughs) Walken. (laughs) <laughs> oh, and, and hey, I forgot to say on the last episode, I did look up it's character Nick. from the Deer Hunter. Yeah, and it was Nick. It wasn't. Uh... I want to apologize immediately to all the uh, fans and the and the geeks out there. You know, they say in the Bible that the meek shall inherit the earth. It's actually the geeks, and uh, <laughs> it, it, it was a typo. Actually, it already and, happened uh, too. But I, I should have known that it, because my my actual. Um, my younger brother's name Nicholas, so it was nice. a kind of a fun. But yes, I'm sorry. It was you know, I I, I thought it was Chris, but now it's Nick. You know, it's but anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, I was gonna I was gonna say something on the last episode, but what I ultimately realized was that you know it was neither here nor there by the time that, that I realized it and looked it up. So, uh, but I, I had to say something this time. You know, for it's like an editor's note. For, oh yeah, get the facts straight. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so we uh, asked Christopher to come back on here because obviously he's got a lot to say. And and, um, I felt like we just really, you know, just were kind of getting into it when uh, we had to stop last time. So there's so much. If you hear children in the background, it's because my granddaughters are here. So um, his granddaughters are the most adorable children on the face of the earth and i don't have kids so it's not like i'm the kind of guy that's like really into kids you know <laughs> but there are certain kinds of adorable children and his grandkids are those two kids <laughs> they are so imagine Chet cute. as your grandfather oh, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't that be the coolest thing that ever happened on the face of the earth i'm definitely the wacky grandfather oh chet's great i watch him with him and man he gets them going over some fart action 
it's so, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. It's way more fun than being an actual parent. Being grandparents way more fun. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Well, you Christopher, spoil them. people love you, man. The, the that last episode, I mean, Chet even told me it really it, it's done very well, very fast, and so people are certainly engaged and interested in this enigmatic character that is Christopher Ulrich, and I think they want to hear you talk more about art being a gladiatorial battle and uh, <laughs> you know Satan's uh, nasty juice or whatever it was. Uh, there were some <laughs> comments; people really like it. They were quoting you and stuff. I don't know if you got. You really need to get on Facebook and look at the because I Chet didn't I even post the memes. I made with you, Chris. Yeah. All right on the yeah. link so you can even see all of them. Yeah. So you got to check yeah, it out, I, man. Like, I, I got to do a lot of improvements in that regard. I, I'm not, I don't barely ever go on Facebook and all this sort of thing. And I just really appreciate people enjoy, you know, us talking to, to each other. You know what I mean? It's a good, it's a good thing. Um, and as far as gladiatorial combat, man, uh, just last night, I, you know, I'm working on this piece um, for the heavy metal show that's coming up. And um, yeah, I mean, like I had to like, I had to decapitate my main character. <laughs> and uh, so, so imagine, imagine like somebody out there who's like, you know, you, sometimes you can get all precious and you, you render something for two weeks and within 10 minutes it's gone. I mean, talk about time, you know, and then and then the idea is this This is what gets really interesting is. No effort or 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 it is ever truly erased. So so even though you remove it, all that you went through to get to that point, do you see what I mean? Somehow trickles in. And, and a lot of times I think you're closest to finding the treasure when you think you're the furthest away from it. You know, like yeah, right sure. when you get to the X marks the spot, I can almost assure you that once you start digging, there is no treasure on the map. Where <laughs> the X, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like in that that wonderful book, The Alchemist, it's um, you realize that the treasure was back, you know, buried under the tree at your house, like a thousand <laughs> leagues back. You know what I mean? You're like, why did I have to take this long journey? out into the nether sphere or to find something that was right in front of me. Yeah. Right? Or better or better yet, you were the treasure you were looking for all along. Yeah, right. <laughs> well certainly certainly developing a healthy attitude towards yourself and honoring yourself is a treasure. Um, a lot of us suffer from self-deprecation or, you know, low self-esteem and this sort of thing. And and you know like Sir Isaac Newton said, you know, if I've seen further than most is because, you know, I've been on the sh I stood on the shoulder of giants. You know, when you when you when you start this thing and you suddenly realize, oh, wait a minute, there's a whole history here. You know what I mean? There's been people that have lived entire lives before me and created all this work. And then you're like starting off from scratch. It could be really you know what I mean? It can yeah. be very daunting, but it's not a race, ladies and gentlemen. This is not, uh, not NASCAR. A yeah, it's not a competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what you would like. What else you would like to talk about today? But but I'm telling you, uh, I, I want to tell you something that I've been thinking about a lot, and that is uh, regarding you, Christopher. And that is your epic masterpiece. 
the Last Supper painting that you did. That thing is insane. That I feel like that is the that is the masterpiece to come out of this art scene, out of any paintings I have seen. Um, and that's you know there, there's there's that's a high a, compliment. Well, there's you know there's been a few others. There's been that Mark Ryden, the Creatrix. There's been you know a couple Todd Shore pieces that are amazing, but they're kind of not really on our in our thing. They're kind of above us, you know. But as far as our scene. I mean, that's just my own judgment saying they're above us, but you know what I'm saying. They're like a little bit older. They're a little more established and we're, we're the guys that came after them. And I feel like the last, your last supper piece is, is the, the, the most amazing epic masterpiece to come out of our scene. So I was just, if you haven't seen it, we'll put a link up, uh, right. Mike, we can put a link. I'm going to write that down. Okay. Yeah, Cause, cause it's, and, and it's, and I it's, fucked up on that last one that didn't put Chris's link in it right out the gate. So <laughs> yeah. I'm right. I'm a right. And actually I told you to make the list, but I'm still going to take full oh, responsibility. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah. Last supper, Chris, Chris link. Continue. So, um, and it's a shame that you won't be able to see it in person, but you will be able to see it online because it's, it's huge. It's epic. It's amazing. Everybody. How sees huge it. is it? Cause I, I haven't gotten to see it in person. So I'd like to know how large this thing yeah, is. It's hard, to, it's hard to judge. It'd take your breath away. I don't know. Why don't you I t- mean like how, how big is it, Chris? How many feet by feet? Uh, it's 16 feet by eight foot. Okay, um, ladies and gentlemen, that's like literally full size people, like bigger, in fact, than you are just, you know, if, to put it in perspective, right? The, fig- the figures, by eight feet. Yeah. The figures in the painting are full size. There you go. I mean, that's how epic this thing is. Yeah, and it's beautifully painted. Well, I appreciate I appreciate you bringing that up, and I appreciate the 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 compliment. I mean, it's a big one. I mean, to start off really fast. I mean, I had the opportunity to go to uh, Laguna, um, and I got to see the Creatrix painting, um, and then across from it was Todd Shore's painting of the. Um, you know the 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 monkey the 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 King Kong right, kind yeah. of incredible painting yeah. and then and then and then as if the 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 sledgehammer of of Thor was not enough then they we had Alex Gray's painting on you know what I mean oh yeah it was it was so incredible and I remember looking at um, Raiden's piece the the Creatrix and I just was. You know when you have those moments where you just absolutely it it it, it captivated. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it 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 just you kind of just to look at it was was such a delight in in for the eye and the, and the, and the you know obviously the al- the alchemy put into it and and then of course all you had to do was turn your head and then you're hit with Todd Shore who's just probably one of the most technically talented painters. Um, I mean, it's just, the guy is just ridiculous. I mean, he just can, he can do just about anything. And, um, and boy, I have to tell you, it was like, it was so powerful to experience that. And, you know, when I was doing my, uh, that last big series that I had, um, in which I did the last supper, um, I wasn't even thinking about any of these guys or anything like that. I mean, it was, you know, when I came up with the, uh, or when somehow for some reason I got it into my head that (laughs) I was going to do a last supper painting. Um, and, and it came to me, the scale and all this, I didn't even know how I was even going to 
to do it. Like, first of all, I would have, in, the, yeah, yeah, the I would have no idea how to, how to even do something that big. <laughs> for me, like, for me, like, you know, you get like, there's a difference between having ideas and then something comes to you uh-huh. and you have to do it. Yeah. Right. And, and, and you might not necessarily want to do it or whatever like this. And, <laughs> And I wasn't going to do a Last Supper piece like a mockery. Like I wasn't going to like, you know, fill it up with a bunch of characters or whatever. I, I really wanted to. It was part of like this. Um, and this is where the conversation might get interesting. But um, if we're going to talk about the Last Supper, and we're going to talk about, you know, the masters above us and the and, and the and the up and coming masters, um, you know, amongst us and and those that are aspiring uh, for mastery. What's really interesting for me is, um, and what makes our conversation so unique is that we're not just talking about art. We're talking about this like weird kind of idea of magic and alchemy. And are these just words? Are these actual things? Are they involved in the work? This is what's really fascinating because for me, that was very much the experiment of that last series. You know, but the the Last Supper piece was the kind of the the culmination of um, it was the third in a in a kind of a a, a, a saga. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was the kind of the ending piece. And boy, did it! What an experience I had in just making it. The fact that there's even an end result, or that you enjoy the, you know, w- what I came up with, I, I, I'm really thankful of. But I was seriously not even thinking about painting. I was thinking about achieving this weird experiment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That was that gave me a personal insight that that I had to face and. Um, and it was a, it was a weird one because it wasn't so much a lesson I was teaching others. You know what I'm saying? You know how some artwork, the artist is the one who's on the inside of the joke, and and, uh-huh. <laughs> and the reviewer, you know, has to you know figure out the punchline. Um, <laughs> to me, that was very much the reverse. You know, and. Um, so it was. It was pretty. It was pretty. So great. in other words, the joke was on you. <laughs> yeah. Yes, in, in many in many ways. I mean, I I think I think that you know, truth can always have a a kind of a um, can break you, and then and then you know, I love those moments in which everything is doomed, and two characters look at each other and they laugh. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like right. the laughter, the laughter in the in the trench. I call it. You uh-huh. know, it's it's it's. You know, there there is. I think the what the secret of a joke like that is is pre to our previous conversation. If there is truly something like magic or the spirit, then all of this is just like um, a terrifying illusion. Sure. Yeah. You know, maybe enlightenment is when you wake up and you go, oh, wow, um, everything is perfect, right? Because yeah. if, <laughs> if, you, if you truly, if you truly, um, if you truly come up with something that is, 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 mute. um, mute. 
<laughs> Mute. Yes, we're having uh, we're having uh, good times already. Uh, they they you know if you like for instance if if like what is a masterpiece you know that was another word that you brought up and you know a masterpiece is always beyond technique. I mean everybody has a certain level of technique and a unique way of achieving a result you know but mm. what is a masterpiece you know and i really think that that's when a piece that you're working on goes beyond what you what you're you even thought you were even capable of doing mm -hmm. do you see mm -hmm. what i mean mm -hmm. like this like the sum total of all its parts in exactly the right alignment created something greater you know what i mean like you look at um i went to uh they had a show of Van Gogh's paintings, right? And the and the and the at LACMA, and the place was packed, and it was just it was just like you felt like a sardine when you were in this show, right? Mm. And I remember you can't help but hear everybody's comments, right? You, all you're trying to do is look, and I was remember trying to look at his potato eaters painting, you know, and I remember hearing this woman say to her kids, "This is what he painted before he knew how to paint." <laughs> <laughs> and you hear all these comments and then and then they shuffle you out of the out of the show and you go into the bookstore and they have the van gogh ear on on the on his on the mug and 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 like <laughs> baseball caps with with his ear on it and all this and i'm like <laughs> and i thought to myself you know this is like like the the mockery, you know. It's another I mean? layer of the cosmic giggle, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that is what I talk about—the dark joke, you know, that that kind of the secret laughing behind the the horrible doom, which is, you know, life is this terrifying and um, really like beautiful experience. I mean, you 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 cannot separate beauty and terror. In fact, I don't think you can have one without the other. You know what I mean? I mean, probably because they're because the way that we look at them is as separate things, when in fact they are one and the same thing. And we can't really talk about that other than to say things that sound paradoxical in nature. We're, we're dancing exactly. around it. We're so always dancing around it. Yes, exactly. So to sum it up, I think the Last Supper was both beautiful and terrifying at the same time, and and. If you want to know what the inner joke was, I'll 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 let you know. But um, yeah, you know, it was it was it was a really weird experience. There's no doubt. Um, and I did that whole painting and all the other uh, um, twelve paintings all as one big show. Yeah, that's that's the crazy thing too. Is not only did you make the masterpiece of our times with this last ever painting, you did a. How many other 16 other paintings? Uh, in that series, uh, there was 11 others. So that oh, was okay. 11, 11 others. Sorry. And each of those paintings are huge. And how big were those paintings? And amazing too. They're incredible. Yeah, they were. They, they were of a, a bit. You know, I, I can't recall. I think six feet um, by three or four. Yeah. I can't remember. They were yeah. huge, and so, they had and these. What, in what timeline did you did you achieve all of this? Well, what happened was um, this was after my second series, the Illuminator series, um, and 
I got the opportunity to do the, the, the final series, Matt, you know, I was working, um, Matt, you know, Kennedy from La Luce, you know, he's really into um, alchemy and magic as well. And so he was really, you know, with me on this and he really wanted me to complete the kind of the, the, the series. And we're gonna get into alchemy in a second. So, you know, when I got my show date, I began to kind of sketch out what the next part would be. And um, like I said, I didn't know how I was gonna do it. And I remember telling my partner at the time, you know, what I was gonna do. And she just, she wigged out. She, <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so then on top of everything, um, I, 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 I remember having like some kind of like breakdown, mental breakdown, which I'm not going to get into, but, um, and then <laughs> uh, that's the best part. <laughs> yeah. I know. And then, and then I lost my studio and, and, and my relationship and I did not know how I was going to even afford to even do this. And I remember asking Billy Shire for like a, a loan or a stipend, um, He's a great guy. He, obviously, he wasn't able to do that, but he gave me a nice peach. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me a peach. So, you know, if somebody asks you for something and, and you can't, you know, giving, me, giving them a nice piece of fruit, I guess, is kind of a nice... <laughs> Better <laughs> so than nothing. <laughs> and, and I was under so much stress and heartbreak, but I was something in me was determined to achieve this. And I had everybody telling me, because I gave a little bit of preliminary of my ideas and I had everybody around me going, you're crazy. <laughs> no one's going to want this. You, you can't afford this. Like, you know, and it was terrible. You know, I, you know, a lot of people listening can imagine, you know, if, if there's something that you feel like that's asking you to do it, let, let me say that correctly. When there's something that comes to you that's asking you to do it, this is different than an idea, okay? Mm. Um, it has a way of, there's a presence there. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and I just wasn't, you know, I did not know what I was going to do. So, you know, I'm, I suddenly am now, you know, um, uh, it, I remember talking to my brother and his wife mentions this thing called Kickstarter, which I didn't even know about. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if, let me interject real quick, Mike. I'm not sure that you're aware of this, but he's what, probably one of the first artists I know of that did Kickstarter way back. What year Chris. was this? Yeah, Christopher. <laughs> 2010 or 11, I believe it was. Yeah, isn't that crazy? So Anyway, anyway sorry. Go on. So what happened was, um, so we put this little video together, I guess, and um. The, the two days before I had to do this, I was brushing my teeth and all the water was coming out of my mouth. And and I didn't understand what was going on. And um, suddenly I realized that the left side of my face was drooping uh, off the side of my skull. And I was paralyzed in my left side. Bell's palsy? Wow. It, well, I thought I had a stroke from all the friggin' wow. stress that I was under. Oh my God, I didn't know this. Oh, and I had to put my dog down too. Oh, my, yeah. my beloved Cerberus died. He was my my companion, my best friend, and and I and I had to put him down. And um, 
So I was under a lot of stress. And um, so I did the my kickstart uh, <laughs> video with, <laughs> with half my face <laughs> drooping down. Does it look and, weird? Wow. Does it look weird on the video? Um, I don't know if anyone can tell, but boy, I, I it took a while to train myself to talk right. I'm going to uh, go look it up. But this. anyway, <laughs> at the time, I think I was asking for twelve thousand mm-hmm. dollars, which was what I mean, which which turned out the, the series to create and do was double that. But right. I, I just needed some monies to get the surfaces built. It was, right. you know, I had it all designed, but I, you know, I couldn't I needed some kind of help. And um, I remember, man, I think at the last hour of the campaign, I think I raised the barely raised the amount by like a hundred dollars. Close one. And, you know, I just didn't have the you know, I mean, it was a real struggle. Like the, the Kickstarter thing was for me at that time, super stressful. And uh, oh, but it's we, stressful. <laughs> but we had a we had you know I was able to barely achieve it, and then of course at the, after I did that, there were some con- people that were criticizing me on doing that. At that time, it wasn't really the 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 Kickstarter wasn't really the kind of powerhouse and and an amazing force of good that I feel that it is today you know what i mean this thing yeah, was people didn't get it back then well they were they were starting to but you know the, some of the the forerunners of it took some flack mm-hmm. and and you know every single cent that i raised and 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 all the premiums that i did you know it was i mean i i i sacrificed everything i could my drawings paintings mm-hmm. everything to achieve this thing so this is where it gets fascinating this thing that I'm trying to do is putting me on all these types of experiences. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The loss mm-hmm. of your relationship, the loss of your studio, the loss of your dog, this Kickstarter thing, this kind of, you know what I mean? Crowd the loss funding. of controlling half your face. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> you know, uh, and it was Bell's palsy, by the way. Yeah. So uh, through stress. Um, and then uh I finally, you know, then I put in the order with these guys to start building the surfaces. And that's when I began sketch sketching. By the time all of this happened, I did that series in about a year. Wow. Wow. And that's that's an incredible amount of I mean, because I didn't know shit about any of this. I'm not a painter, really. I mean, you know, I don't do it by trade, certainly. And I'm and I'm not that's not really my medium. But I didn't know anything about this till I met Chet. And so I watch him work and I watch the pace he works at, which is incredible. But to hear you say that and think about that scope is even. Yeah, more it's, incredible. Ins- it's insane. How many hours a day were you working? You must be uh, working every single day for a year for like 12 hours at least. Right. Uh, 18 actually. <laughs> um, wow, and, and, and a lot of it, a lot of it was by the time I got, what's even crazier about the story was that I finished the series in on time. Wow. And that was my biggest problem because I was just, I, I was, if you work at that kind of madness, it's actually unhealthy. I really believe that, that one must be balanced, Definitely. you know? Part of art is not just being in front of the canvas or whatever. You have to live. You know mm. what I mean? You have to experience life. You have to maintain relationships. You have to you have to do things. I was, you know, 
I was in a fanatic frenzy and, um, but I was driven. So, and for some reason, when I was finally got to, uh, the finishing point, I started experimenting with, um, (laughs) (laughs) and I remember calling you Chet one night, uh, in a state of horror. I mean, Without even thinking, pour, I pour, pour hot, <laughs> bubbling resin over fully rendered oil paintings that he's been working on for a year. Oh man! And he calls he called me up. He calls me up one night, and he's like, "Man, I don't know what to do. I think I might have just fucked this whole thing up." I mean, you were you were beside yourself. I turned eventually because um, I was at that time um, at my father's home. This is before he got remarried. You know that uh, Dexter, uh, that show Dexter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, well. check this out. When I first started resining, I had like a little tent, right? That turned into entire rooms covered in plastic. <laughs> like my father couldn't even get out of his bedroom. He had to go through the side door. His entire house was covered in plastic and resin. Did it stink? Did the resin stink too? Oh, it was, it was, I mean... Like surf resin or... Now, I was breathing that stuff in even, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it was pretty toxic. And, and to get it right, I went down a whole, oh, and there was um, a thunderstorm during <laughs> this process, which, by the way, anybody out there who's resining, make sure you don't resin with the humidity above yeah. 50%. That'll okay. totally screw so, you. <laughs> so I learned all these unique things. Now, this is where it gets really perplexing. <laughs> Instead of just traditionally varnishing it, there was some reason why I did this. It, and, looked, um, it looked amazing, though. I mean, when when you did it, it, it was stunning, the, the, the resin finish. It was really, it was worth the hell you went through, I think. Well, what was so, thank you, what was so, what, to get it to that point, was a, was its own journey, right. and, <laughs> a separate journey, and, and, and this is what I want people to know about really truly working or or, or pushing yourself or the gladiatorial thing that you mentioned, Mike, was that mm-hmm. if you're expecting to come up with an end product, stop. Like don't like <laughs> if you think if you think you're going to come up with a great painting, don't do it. <laughs> Okay, because to me, to me, the destructive aspect is part of the creative aspect. And it takes you through all these different emotions. Like I had a guy at at the tail end of that series. I had a guy helping me, a friend of mine um, helping me. And around Thanksgiving, and my show was in December, around Thanksgiving, he told me I can't do this anymore because we had this one night in which everything went wrong. The, the blow torches went out, everything, and he saw this shadow dance across the the wall, and he was just like, "I can't take it anymore," you know. What I mean? And he was such a trooper, and but that was also part of the process because I was then left alone. And I had to do this. I got to stop you. If really, if, wouldn't this make an amazing movie? 
This process oh, yeah. of you just oh, making yeah. this series. That's <laughs> yeah, a great. I mean, you know, it's that old high that old, drama, uh, man. Truism that, you know, is that, uh, you know, fact is stranger than fiction. Yeah. And, and oh, so. yeah, if you were just to take your story, really, like Chet said, and just you could really script it out pretty easy and you could shoot something that would be astounding. Yeah. And it, and it has all the, you know, the ups and downs and permutations of the spiritual process and the, you know, the equilibrium and the balance of, of seeking enlightenment in the face of, you know, all of this adversity and then surrendering and giving up yeah. and you know absorbing that and and finding a way then to transmute that into you know or not even finding a way but but getting beyond the, the point of needing to find anything or do anything yeah so it's got all the all the bells and whistles and hi-hats and toms yeah it's great <laughs> it so, was fascinating and and you know if and and for me too it was a full circle experience because i started out um this whole journey that i went on so the the Last Supper is the is the tail end, okay. The head of the serpent, the beginning was many years before when I started the Demon Eater series that you know, Chet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started off this whole f- madness with um, I did a self um, a self portrait full size. That's how I started it. Oh, really. I know that painting. Yeah. I know that painting. Yeah, it's called the Leviathan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember during the process of doing this painting, it was one of the last times that I was really staring at my face in a mirror for a very long time. You know, like now mm-hmm. I, when I go to the bathroom, I barely look, I can barely, like I can barely like stare at myself in the mirror. You know what I mean? I brush my teeth, <laughs> put my brush down. I think maybe I, I I look at myself cosmetically maybe ten seconds, fifteen tops. <laughs> that comes with getting old. Exactly. I, I remember Lisa's mom used to yeah. never look in the mirror, and you know she'd have like you know her makeup would be all messed up, and we'd be like Gretchen. Your lipstick is completely lopsided. It's because she wouldn't look at herself in the mirror because she couldn't deal with it. <laughs> well, they, well they, this is the mirror flatters not, right? So um, while I was in the process of doing this series, I actually lost my studio um, and I had to go into a new place. And when I was moving, my mirror broke. Wow. <laughs> and when it shattered on the ground, and I saw all the shatter marks. That's what inspired me to finish the painting. And I removed, I had repainted myself like 20 times. Mm. I made myself younger. I made myself older. It just nothing felt right. And even though I got my likeness um, and I ripped the face off and it, you, that's why that broken, you see that where the face is and it's yeah. all broken away. Mm-hmm. And then the actual face then became a serpent that wrapped around the, the, the snake legs mm-hmm. of, of the, you know, uh, the carpet from my studio disappeared. It turned into water. Do you know what I mean? The legs became like these kind of merman, mermaid kind of legs, you uh-huh. know? And that's what, what happens when you stare at yourself too long. You, you, I lost, I, I went into the darkness in, inside the eyes, you know? And, and so now to bring it many years later t- to the last supper, in the painting, there's a figure off in the corner walking off. It's the artist, right? Classical right. kind of rendition of the artist. But in the mirror that he's holding up was my self-portrait. Oh, wow. Really? Yes. I didn't even and, catch and, that. It's so cool. And, nice. 
And I remember um, I had two nuns um, dinner with. And by the way, if you ever have dinner with two nuns, give them a lot of wine. Um, <laughs> and, and it was my beloved mother superior, Sister Stella, who's a beautiful human being um, from my old elementary school. She, she came to see the Last Supper oh, how cool. before anybody else did. And I remember one of the other sisters, she, she, she said, where is Judas in mm-hmm. the painting? And I was like, oh, you know, like I tried to paint him in the background in a, a hanging from a tree, but I, I, I removed it. So, so there, there was no Judas actually at the table. Mm-hmm. There's no figure there that's Judas. And then I suddenly realized by the time I was done with the whole series and I had the whole resonating fiasco and, and I, and I thought about all that had happened to me and the loss of studios and, and the loss of my relationships and, and uh, my relationship and, and my dog and everything and all this. And I, and I looked at the self portrait in the mirror and I realized that that was Judas. Wow. Uh, how perfect is that? Yeah. <laughs> And the message behind it was that the artist betrays his own work. Wow. And hence, what I mean by that is that we tend to take credit for achieving that thing that, remember I told you, something comes to you, Mm -hmm. asks you to complete it? Well, that's a relationship between you and this process which we call art or mm-hmm. alchemy or magic you know and i'm using those three words overlapping each other right right it is when the artist suddenly it's like oh this is my work you know what i mean or this right. you know what i mean or i you know that that's what i meant the, oh and then the worst thing that an artist can do is talk about their artwork which I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a necessary evil talking about your right artwork. because you you talk about it as if you you have all the answers or you were always in control. Right. Or, you know what I mean? Or, <laughs> when the exact opposite was true, in fact, you know, yeah, right? Or somebody right. comes up to you and says, "Oh, you're so talented," and like <laughs> you've been up for like nights and weeks and. Yeah. and get, and you're, you know, whoever you were with, your significant other or your best friend, you drove them crazy. Yeah, that's, and, one, of, and, that's, and, one, that's one of the most insulting compliments, un- unintended ins- insulting con- uh, uh, compliments when someone says, oh, you're so talented because it's like, what about the, you know, it's really, it's it's a nice thing to say, but it's actually, you know, it's really 90% of busting your ass and going through yep, these crazy, yep. like you're saying, these trials and tribulations you went through to make the thing. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to like single myself out, or, or, or. But I have received so many insult compliments. <laughs> I have a whole memory. Unfortunately, my memory is really good when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to someone saying something really below the belt. Um, well, people all- people don't understand though. It, it's to be fair. If, if you're, you know, if you're not a painter or an artist or a writer or whatever, a, a create, you, you know, you're not, you're not fully engaged in a creative uh, uh, profession. People, it's a different thing. It's a different trip than a lot of other um, professions. So yeah, people just totally. don't understand how it is. It's not really, you know, that's why I don't, I don't fault people for saying that because it's like, I, I, I know I what you mean, but, yeah. you know. 
I always felt that if if we were to really be honest and you were to have an exhibition, a gallery show that you put that kind of effort into, I think that it would be really to bat, you know, to balance the scales. Everyone who goes to your show should be naked. Except, <laughs> you know, everybody should. No one should have yeah, any, right. I That's think great. everyone should view art. And when they go up to the artist, they should be totally nude. Right. Just to, just to even things out, you mean? Yeah, everybody should. You can have your glass right. of wine and all this, but you can even wear jewelry, but you have to be naked. You know what I mean? Like, and 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 I think then you're going to be getting different kinds of questions and different <laughs> kinds of comments. <laughs> you know, because yeah. the 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 artist is not only naked; the artist is turned inside out. If the artist has done his or her job, right, right, the artist is turned inside out. Like, and you have, and and you know, I think the struggle, the struggle needs to be talked about because a lot of people want the like the overture i guess you would call it like oh i'm an artist mm -hmm. right we're not asking for the overture we're just asking for the right to exist and what i mean by that is that i think the work that we are doing for ourselves and for society is something worth investing in you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, for instance, like for us to be to treat what we do as a business or to have to fill out a, a form or all this, it's nightmare city. <laughs> well, we I, I, you know, you, 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 I mean, we've talked about this many times and obviously I'm, I'm you know, Mr. Pra pragmatic when it comes to that. And, and it's and I, I definitely treat it as a business because not because I want to, but because that's the way the world functions. And so to me, it's like, I deal with that issue by, by knowing that it allows me to keep painting. And that's all I care about mm -hmm. is creating work. That is, that's why I do it is to make the paintings. I don't do it for the shows. I don't do it for the accolades. I don't do it for the money for sure. Cause if I could be making way better money, you know, if I just stayed in the film industry, I do it to paint because I love it so much. So I'll, I'll pretty much do anything that it takes short of killing someone to be, uh, uh, create this life where I can paint all the time. And so that includes business. That includes having oh, to learn so that whole business thing. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, if that's what I got to do, that's what I got to do. You know, but you know here, just let me yeah. let me interject real quick because when I see with the two of you, especially I see you even on my screen as these little dudes that are next to each other. <laughs> you know, uh, Chris's nightmare is this dark night of the soul going through this alchemical transformation within himself to overcome the control factor of the ego to ultimately realize he is himself. Whereas Chet, your nightmare is going through what in Chris's perspective, you know, cause you wouldn't want to do what Chris is going through. Whereas Chris doesn't want to have to do the nightmare you're going through, which is <laughs> the business and the papers and the things and the forms, right? Mm. So you each have your own version of the nightmare, but it amounts to the same thing at the end of the day, which is it's this true. incredible accomplishment that really you are totally and in control of, and also completely not in control of simultaneously. Again, the paradoxical dance, it comes back around. But it's, it's funny to watch you too. Both 
both with your versions of the nightmare and what oh, yeah. it takes in order to reach that state yeah. of ecstatic at one moment. Yeah, well, I, the- I, 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 you know, as far as Chet goes, I mean, he knows this, and I've told him this countless times, and I'm not the only one who, who feels this way. But you know, you know, the 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 inspiration of how you approach this process, and I think I think that that is something to inspire not just myself but others as well because. You know, it's it's not just one way or the other. Like, you know, it sucks if you're like a a complete freak and fanatic and nutbag. But you know, when when you but when if if and Chet is right, if you want longevity, especially if you have a family and responsibilities and 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 creatures and loved ones looking and rooting for you, you know what I mean? Mm. I just think that whatever your unique ob um, obstacle is right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, is yeah. a part of the creative process. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. And, 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 and yeah, so the, I didn't want it to. I don't want there to be this kind of artificial division because I, I think we're all in the same boat. We're some of us are obviously better at some things than others, and we have so much to learn from each other. Yeah, and definitely. that's you know that's what makes these talks. And this kind of connecting so important because the worst thing for an artist is, or for anyone, I should say, is to be isolated. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And that, and that's what the Dark Art Society is all about, really. Which is, ladies and gentlemen, precisely why Christopher Ulrich is our first guest and has taken up two episodes now because Christopher <laughs> Ulrich belongs in this conversation because he's already a part of it, as are all of you. Yep. Well, I appreciate that, and I'm, you know, I'm glad that we have a chance to. I really do appreciate a chance to talk because you know, when you're really talking and really listening, um, that is like what we talked about earlier. That is the alchemical mirror. That mm-hmm. is the real mirror of which you should truly see yourself. You know what I mean? How you listen to others, how you learn from others. You know. Um, yes. And and I think that if we're doing anything, we're actually doing this thing together. You know, that's like the big that's the big question of our day. You know, are right. we doing this together or are we doing right. this separately? Yeah. You know what I mean? The separate thing hasn't been working out too well, as we can see by the world around us. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I, you know, I want to get back to the, the 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 I guess the underlying or the whole point that I think that Mike was making was that, you know, we each have our our version of the hell that it takes to get there and to do what we got to do to make it happen. And uh, we are willing to do it. You know, we're willing to go through the hell in order to to, to get to heaven or whatever to get the precisely the artwork done and it's like and it take and it takes a different you know everyone's got their own unique uh, perspective on things and it takes and it's everyone's got their own hell basically their own path to get to that thing and if you're willing to do it then you can get there you just got to be yeah, willing to do it of how afraid you are yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it's yeah, you you're know. gonna be scared that's the thing you will you know and you're gonna go through hell thing. i look at i look at all of you <laughs> yeah it's you guys are fear slayers you know and i've called chet a fear slayer before and I, I i mean yeah it may sound stupid and cheesy and cliche but it's like that's the whole point is that 
you know, there's really nothing to beat because really the thing that you're afraid of, you're perpetrating upon yourself. And so you can't really separate the wheat from the chaff. And so, you know, it's it, you guys are just saying, yeah, I'm fucking terrified. I'm shaking my boots and shitting my fucking pants. But guess what? I'm doing it anyway because I hear it's speaking to me and I am willing to engage that relationship come yeah. what may. Yeah, and the exactly. thing is, is that as soon as you do let go to it and you surrender to it, all of a sudden there's this incredible thing that occurs Yeah, <laughs> and and it's it, different for each of us. So yeah. I won't even try to outline it. It's just, <laughs> well, I, trust me, it's all inspiring. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, you, you, once you say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do it. I'm, I'm willing to do what it takes. Then it, you, you will be led down a path. And, okay. And, now, 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 now this is where it gets, if I may interject, this yeah. is where it gets, this is where, you know, and, 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 and you guys hold me really to the, to the measuring stick on this one. Okay. Cause it can get, it can get real slippery, but this is where it gets really fascinating. It's not you, right? You either, you get called, right? Like in Joseph Campbell, the refusal of the call. Mm hmm. You're summoned. You're asked to be of service. Something wants to, there's a golden nugget that wants to come into the light of day and you, and it's come to you. And it's in deep buried in the bowels of hell. You have to descend into the underworld. Um, you know, somebody that, you know, I don't know about everybody else, but every time I wake up in the morning, and I never invite this thing with me, but it always wake is doubt. Doubt is always sneaking into my bed, trying to like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like That's the ego. It, yeah, and, and if you like, if you try to like kick doubt out or like be really angry at doubt, it just gives you this like sourpuss face, right? Like this, <laughs> you can't like, you can't control the ego by controlling because that's actually what the ego is perpetrating upon you. So you can't win the game by playing it by the same rules that it's playing it by. You know, the ego uses and, fear yeah. to control you. So how are you going to control your ego in order to get above it? Come on, like okay, so, oral so, boros, that's the snake eating its tail. Where the ego can be circumnavigated is the idea of the hero's journey. If if you are, it's it's more than if you're willing to do it. If you acknowledge the call, if you have the calling to to be, in our case, an artist, mm -hmm. you know, who's ever listening right now, um, and 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 if there's somebody right now listening to us talk who is at that point where they're like really, I mean, th they got to first ask themselves, why am I listening to this podcast? You know, <laughs> like, you know, it's actually speaking directly to me and which we are. Um, this thing has to be a calling because you're going to have to do it when you want to give up, right. when you are in doubt, when you just have had enough. When you have no idea how to make money, when you lose, when you see things in your life where you're losing stuff, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Where, you know, um, you're, you know, you're going to want to quit. And, and, and my point is this, if you can't quit, right? Not, mm -hmm. if, not if you wanted to quit, but this is something that is happening and, and, and you are, and you are unable or there's a part of you that's unbreakable or unshakable, I should say. Mm -hmm. 
where you're like trying to throw in the towel and that for <laughs> you like is like what was it like in Rocky Balboa the old you've got to be a fighter you know like that, 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 growling, <laughs> that growling older self right? that, that kind of that, the, the divine spirit within I suppose the divine as one spirit good within, you know like that kind of that raspy you know what I mean tree trunk that can't wither anymore you know what I mean it's <laughs> this thing is just like it's got no moisture except it knows it's already dead you know that's the thing once it once that part of you knows it's already dead then what's there left to be afraid of you know it's like chet told me before you know if it's it's all just a game if it's all really just an an interactive game that seems totally real like you know and every and we're taught every night we go to sleep and we have this crazy experience that seems so real that when you wake up you're shocked you're shocked you're like oh my god it was just a dream that was intense but man that was kind of fun because it was just a dream you know we're reminding ourselves every morning the same thing that's going to happen when we die so if you realize you're already dead of course that even if it's just a part of you even if it's just that divine spirit within that's speaking a little louder than it once was it's saying no the thing is is that it's really you're going to just go back to being what you already are so there's really nowhere to be and nowhere to go yeah then there's this opening there's a crack and you know the thing is you have to keep navigating that though it doesn't stop it's not like there's a point where this ego death occurs and the ego is really dead no there's no dying it's a part of you you know it's just a matter of, you know, not trying to play again the control game with it and just trusting and saying, oh, yeah, I'm fucking terrified. I'm shitting in my pants. But guess what? I already know I'm already dead. So there's nothing really left to be afraid of. I can do anything, you know. But again, that little part of you could be a fraction, a very small fraction. And, and it doesn't have to be the totality of you because, as you said, it speaks to you. There's a relationship that exists beyond your choice, certainly. Now, again, how we talk about it the analogies we use, all of that stuff, that's a, a way of dancing around it and making it as accessible as we can to you. Because like Chris said, we are speaking to you. Well, I love what you said about the game. This is what I want to kind of, let's use that as a an, as a metaphor. You know, the greatest game that you can play is the one that you have your skin, you throw your skin in it. You know, yes. where, where, you know, and if you're and you know, there, I read this incredible book once, so forgive me, I can't recall the author at the moment, but it was there are finite players and there's infinite players. Now, finite players play a game of winning and losing, which means sure, sure. you're going to lose at some <laughs> point, right? Like every everyone who's ever at the top, there's only one way down. You're going to take the, you know, the greatest fall was Lucifer, right? He was at the top and, the, and that's pride, right? Because when you're on the top, man, the only that you're, you're the, the next a gate doorway of transcending is pride, right? So you're gonna you're gonna fall all the way like uh, <laughs> and ladders. You're gonna go all the way back down, <laughs> even past start. Like you're off the gate door, right? Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Proceed directly <laughs> yeah, to jail. Don't get out of jail. The get out of jail free card is like torn in your face, right? <laughs> We're talking like karmic confetti, right? <laughs> So then there is the infinite player. The infinite player plays to play. Right. Uh, what, a, what a great analogy, Chris. You rule. Yeah, that is amazing. And that is the attitude that you have to have if you're dumb enough to do what we do. <laughs> but, you know what? I, I'm so happy that you just put such a nice, neat little shell on that thing because that, like, what a great way to make that accessible to people. You say it one more time it, it, just for everyone once again, Chris. 
the, the finite versus the infinite, just in a nutshell. The finite player plays to uh, the game to win or to lose, and the infinite player plays to play. Yep. Thank you. That is it. Guys, if you it literally, you know, you could skip the whole rest of this episode and go right to 10606. And I'll tell you what, that's what it was all about. And then go back and listen to it and really enjoy it because that was a great conversation. Awesome, Chris. You rule, man. Actually, it's 55 point. Christopher, God, I just called you Chris again. I'm, you know, I know <laughs> no, better. No, no, no. Hold You're, on now. Go no, Christopher. Is, but see, is. I shorten it because I get so comfortable, I feel like. But no, here's the thing is the respect. No, 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 no. Like, You're Christopher. Friends, like dear, like someone who's dear to me and dear friends, they can call me Chris. Ah. The only objection have I, have, I have. Have I graduated, Chris? Oh, <laughs> take it easy, of course. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I mean, I just got back from Australia. I started calling you, you know? Chris, right? I guess I that was the evidence. Back. Yeah. Sorry, I just got back from Australia, and they are notorious for shortening your name. No matter how short your name is, it's going <laughs> to even more short. <laughs> so, uh, so, so no, but but you know, in good company, it's just somebody who walks up to me that I don't know calling me Chris. I get a ping, like inside. <laughs> That's cool. I feel you. You know, hey Chris. It's like whoa, like <laughs> it's like saying hey babe or. Well, see, you right. know, it's funny, Chris. For me, the opposite is true. If someone comes up to me and says, "Well, hello, Michael," I'm like, "Whoa, who are you?" Are yeah, you like it sounds kind of formal, right? <laughs> yeah, are you like, are you, are you, like, am I in trouble? <laughs> Whereas if any, you know, but Mike is like, but here's the thing: I have people that are near and dear to me, and they call me Michael, and it's like sweet. Like my buddy Nathan Dean, who actually did he did my little logo reveal for the for Energy Creations for the Chat Zara I Like to Paint Monsters documentary, and he calls me Michael, and it's sweet when he calls me Michael. <laughs> but if a stranger came up and called me Michael, I'd be like, what? Who are you? How do I know you? What's up? <laughs> Whereas yeah, for you, yes. you're like, if someone yeah. came out and called you Chris, you'd be like, ha, 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 excuse me? <laughs> well, you know, I have a false sense of uh, decorum. I like I like manners only because I'm actually totally mischievous and subversive. So I I, I, I like to be – and, and also I'm a Leo, so I like to be buttered a little bit. You know what I mean? I like I – like, I like, oh – you please pass the wine and then like a bottle later you're like hey chris you bastard you know like so that <laughs> that that i don't mind you know i need i i i'm a little victorian in that way you <laughs> you're know? right very victorian. I, like I, I love to use words like luddite you know that's it's very you i had to actually i didn't even know what you were saying when you said luddite on the last episode i was like god i should know what that means but i totally don't so of course i asked joy i was like joy what does luddite mean and she told me what it meant and so for everybody out there it means someone who is uh Oh yeah, uh, it 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 means somebody who doesn't uh, you know take part in utilizing technology, you know. Yeah. It's someone who who and actually Joy was saying it might even be a group of people that were really called Luddites who were kind of Quakerish or in the in nature. Uh, no, it, but it, but ultimately, was, how you meet it is someone who's not doesn't partake in technology, right? Well, well, actually, the heart of the Luddite is being replaced by technology and oh, okay. and, and the reaction. So I, 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 you know, m mine is just an ignorance of technology, but, and, and, you know, um, but to actually be replaced by technology, do you know what I mean? It's like the, it's, it was the, it, back in the day, it was the, it was the foreshadowing of the people that don't want to give robots their rights. You know, when you, when we have the next, a uh, civil, uh, uh, what is it? The, 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 the next, um, uh, uh, war where, where we have AI wanting to be, uh, treated like a regular citizen and you have people like 
busting toasters in the in the in the you know as, as solidarity against the machines you know <laughs> the stuff of great science fiction i you know did you know like i think a fly's brain can calculate more calculations than our biggest computers really did you, That's incredible. Yeah, the, yeah. the way it flies around a room and all this sort of thing. i mean i don't know if that's entirely factual but well that's you know one of the size of a fly's brain it's got to be pretty small microscopic microscopic i mean i have right now in my backyard uh, a colony of ants that i have de- uh, christened myself as their god <laughs> I, I i i i sometimes kill them and then sometimes i feed them so i feel really I feel like real uh, Judeo-Christian on them. You know? and, um, old, old school God, yeah, Old like, Testament people. God of the ants. But unlike us, they're they're totally unaware of me, and they don't really, you know, waste their time with like building any kind of effigies to me, whatever. But they're amazing, <laughs> and the reason why I brought them up is because to watch these, and this is another point about art, and why I think art is so important, especially to anyone listening to this and. Observing nature and being fascinated by nature is at the heart of art. When you look at a colony of ants, I mean, these little incredible beings, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're so small and so incredible and they're they're so busy and they're working so hard. I mean, they don't complain. They don't, you know what I mean? They don't, they're just working as, as individuals and a part of a great collective. I mean, you have so much you can learn from just watching nature and, and you know, bring take your sketchbook next time you go to the park or or, you know, or something like that and sketch a tree. Don't take don't take for granted anything, because if you start looking, there's not a single square inch of this earth that isn't perfectly rendered. I mean, <laughs> right. Talk about cheating, man. Like, I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know. Like this is like the ultimate artist. This planet. I mean, like. Oh yeah. That's I don't a, know how, and how many times has like life been wiped almost com- completely off the face of this globe? Like, you know, like how many extinctions have there been? Like where ninety-five percent of all life was obliterated, and it comes back with like sixty thousand different variations of beetles alone. Yeah. Right. Just, like. 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 <laughs> The most incredible ecosystem of counterbalance where everything is in like this symphony. That's why I, I, I posted yesterday on Facebook. I posted nature is correct. And it's like that. I, saw that. I, I gave it a big heart. <laughs> it's a, it's true. It's like if you are not if you're not sure, you know, what's going if you're on. Confused, just, yeah. Just look around. <laughs> look to nature. Nature is always correct. Nature always does everything the absolute right way that things are supposed to be done. And and really, that's one thing I do just for, to bring it down to earth and and into the art realm. Is um, I'm always, you know, I get I see a lot of. Uh, newer artists that want to paint monster stuff because they they're into monsters like I was into monsters when I was younger, and they they start doing these drawing monsters and stuff and I, and I always point them I'm like go back to nature first before you start painting your monsters, paint you know paint the human monsters learn your human anatomy that's you know because all the the reason I'm able to paint cool looking monsters is because I know human anatomy and I know. You know the way trees flow, and, and it's it's it, it's all about nature. Nature's kind of the beginning of everything, really. It's you, it's the 
it's the example that we can look to. Isn't yeah. that funny that wanting to be something and learning are the two different things? You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a fact. You know, everybody wants to be the prize fighter, but it kind of sucks learning how to like hit a bag. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and, or and get your ass the, kicked. <laughs> yeah, or go to the smelly gym and, and put on your shoes and 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 you know feel intimidated and freaked out and and learn what an uppercut is or you know and all this sort of thing and you know if you if you want to be a champion you have to know defeat right absolutely yeah well and you know the thing that most most uh, xboxers will say as they come away from that experience is you know what they learned more than anything in boxing was how to breathe properly so you know they had to put themselves through this in intense gladiatorial violent excursion to really just learn how to breathe properly it's not funny oh I, I mean every time i know that i'm really losing it uh and and i know that so, like i'm i'm in a in a place where i'm off my assemblage point you understand me uh, i understand you very well yeah yeah <laughs> uh I, i'm holding my breath oh yeah yep. i'm like yeah, yeah. or shallow <laughs> breathing i mean the shallow breathing thing's does it too, you know? Like the cartoon character that like like he's so angry that like his he's his whole face is starting to expand and swell because <laughs> he's not breathing. You know? Um there's something about that that you know, this life that we're in and and and, and coming full circle with our conversation, it's like you can't stop it. And if and if nature is correct, then the only real sin is missing the point. Right. Right. <laughs> the real sin is missing the mark, missing the point is um, trying to restrict the flow, trying to try, you know, saying that you want to do something is different than doing it. Yes. Yep. And 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 that is the real that's the line that cuts someone who wants to talk about it and somebody who does it. Sure. We get to talk Absolutely. about it because we do it. Right. So yeah. it's a pleasure to talk about it because you only have something to actually say is if you're doing it, because the experiences that you have and what you're going through and 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 how you're learning about nature and your own nature and knowing that you're as natural, you know, a chainsaw in many ways is as natural as a leaf. Right. Of course. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just uh it's 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 just finding finding these types of things you have to do it and doing it is unpleasant because it's just like falling in love it's so much better to fantasize about your perfect partner than that <laughs> and then suddenly you're in a relationship and you're in love and it's a person <laughs> that has like that has its own thoughts about things <laughs> you know yeah. fantasies fantasies never talk back yeah, and i true. think that and i think that art artwork that is actually not artwork it doesn't talk back actual real work talks back has an attitude doesn't if it doesn't like something you're doing, it's going to let you know, and you're going to pull your hair out, and and you're going to the ego's going to get involved. You're like, oh, I suck, and I'm not good. I'm not as good as like 
Dingleberry. Dingleberry is so much better than me. And then and then what happens is you're trying to get sympathy. As if sympathy is gonna help you. <laughs> sympathy doesn't help anything except sympathy. Sympathy just wants more of itself. It's not gonna it's not gonna help you, you know, it, you're, it, you're, there's no one who can hold your hand. Nor if you're really in the process, you need your hand to be held. See? This is the thing, inspire and be inspired. And what does it mean to inspire, right? Or to be inspired, right? It means that you have this unnerving sense that something immense or divine is afoot, right? Magic's afoot, right? God is alive, magic's afoot. Yep. You guys know that song by Buffy St. Marie? No. Oh my goodness. It's a, it's a, I think from a Leonard Cohen poem, it's a fantastic song i think every anybody if you whether you like that sort of thing or not just turn it on and listen to it because it's it's really inspiring at least to me because it's um you know one of the lines is in it is that you know magic never died right and um or or god never died magic's afoot so the the idea about that is you know if you're going to do something and you're going to devote yourself to it Make sure that it's something that you love, and that, and that you that you feel a sense of why it's so great to live. I mean, why do plants create flowers, right? It's not for their own eyes. Plant. I don't know if you. I've never seen an eyeball on a plant. <laughs> <laughs> I've so painted a couple. <laughs> They're certainly not doing it for their own aesthetic beauty, right? But the, when you look at a flower and you look at the joy that a bee gets when it lands on a on a on a on the flower, and like I always thought to myself, how do these things know about color? How do they? How I mean, for us to say that plant life doesn't know about all other creatures does not explain an apple. Why right. would a ap tree make an apple, right? So you eat it and you become its starship and you go somewhere else and you poop out the seed and that's how it traveled and 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 was able to create a new tree somewhere else, right? Yeah. Fascinating. It is. It's amazing. It's incredible. Na nature is extraordinary and 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 I like I don't know if we talked about this last episode. I think we did. You know, I started out trying I couldn't even do, you talk about before you paint your monsters, know about the human monsters. Uh, you know what? Get a get a bowl of lemons. Right, just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we talked about the how you painted lemons, yeah. <laughs> just start off with some cherries or, you know, well, you, you know, if you want to trip out, look at a strawberry. There's <laughs> nothing more monstrous absolutely. than staring at a strawberry for like seven hours. Right, right. I mean, insects are another thing that you look at close up of an in insect I, in the film industry and we'd be, you know, needing to create a monster. Insects were one of the things we always looked at because insect have amazing, crazy. They're so weird. They're so alien and they got the craziest colors and the craziest eyes and they're it's insane. It's amazing. But, you know, I want to say about fruit real quick is, uh, you know, I realized, I mean, I had this realization where I thought that uh, I was always wondering why fruit, because that's my big thing. Why is a monster any less legitimate than fruit? 
when you're painting art. It isn't. And it's like fruit gets all the respect. Monsters, it's like, oh, you're just painting a mo- dumb monster from, you know, I guess the the art establishment or whatever. Why fruit over monsters? And it it's stupid. It's dumb. It's 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 a it's a human limitation. A, a human under limitation of understanding of what art is, I believe. If you can't see that a monster and a ball of fruit are essentially the same thing when it comes to a painting. But you know what was interesting is I started thinking about fruit, and I think the reason that they started painting fruit in the first place, and I'm not sure, but it's because of the translucency. That's what's interesting, like grapes. Grapes are – they're always painting grapes. It's because they're translucent, and so much of that um, artwork is all about creating this illusion of, you know, stuff that tricks the eye that's really interesting. Like how how does that – that grape is has light shining through it. It's so interesting and weird to look at. Oh yeah, if you can if you can render a a, a grape or a cherry, you can do an eyeball. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, now there's certain gradations and there's we can talk about form and 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 painting something um, and learning about form and color and 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 also how an object and its environment are connected. You can't paint a. a a lemon without painting the background. You see what I mean? And, mm-hmm. the, and, and, the, and then the cast shadow and all this. But what's really fascinating about monsters and fruit is that you don't have <laughs> one without the other. I mean, look at the Garden of Eden. The serpent tempted Eve right, with the right, apple, right? right. That's, a, that's like the most awesome first, like, monster, right? right. This type of, like, you know. The devil. Kind of devil <laughs> serpents, you know what I mean, with the fruit. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I think anybody who's serious into monsters, they just have to realize, you know what, I, I, you, there should be a t-shirt. I'm serious about two things, monsters and fruits, you know, <laughs> and, and, and because you can't have one without the other. And I, I think, Chet, you should do a whole class on, um, you know, uh, monster fruit. And, 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 and you were all a bad idea. Yeah, and turn your, uh, you know, still lifes into monsters, you know, and and look at look at some of those great paintings of of you know what what are those whole heads of was it uh, was it Christian um, his paintings Christian. where they're like um, with like fruits and and, yeah. and organic material Christian Van Minen yes yeah, uh, yeah he's fantastic artist I don't know him but I've admired his work and yeah, he's incredible I, I love his tradition and 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 his and how he makes it his own mm-hmm. and the idea that you know find inspiration in everything yeah. you know um you know some people you know paint your childhood toys you know I know paint, a guy who's doing that now who's right who's paint, paint your tr- shoe you know um, paint Matt uh, Matt Hurtado is doing these little Lego figures, and he's got a whole career going on. He's really great. Nico Hurtado, the amazing tattoo artist, his little brother. I watched him start painting and create this whole career, and he and he paints these little Lego figures. That's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean anything, anything. You know, this is the this is where it gets really exciting. We are all unique, and everyone who's listening to this and all this. There is something in each person that grabs their attention. Some people like, I mean, I remember I got into this, I had this, um, I had this tantrum many years back. Uh, and I, and I, uh, and I, and I, and I murdered a, 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 a thing of orchids. 
And I was devastated that I had damaged these incredible orchids. You know, I was I was in one of my stupid rages and I and I and I and I broke this flower pot, right, with that had these beautiful orchids in it. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at my destruction and you know, one of one of the again a a, a a sin is don't break something you can't fix, right? Yeah. And 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 I had no hand in the glory of making these beautiful orchids. And 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 they were not doing anything. And here I was. So I did as penance, I started doing a whole series of painting orchids. Oh, interesting. That's cool. You know, and 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 trying to 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 apologize to the entire orchid community <laughs> community like i didn't want to be called up to the galactic court and have like the grand inquisitor saying you know uh, and we're going to talk about that uh, little murder of the of the orchid plant that you did uh, i have the spirit of the orchid looking at me going all he was doing was you know blooming and he destroyed um so, you know, the idea is that the point is that everyone has something that maybe a trauma or 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 something nostalgic or something that speaks to you. Yeah. The best thing you can do is paint that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you want to learn how to paint or sculpt or, or you want to do art, document what inspires you. You know, if, if you're into, uh, you know, some people are into um what is it? Uh, there's been all kinds of things, you know, um, angels or there's some people are into, you know, they're th- th- like creepy dolls or even clowns. You know? Right. You yeah. Yeah. Do a whole series of clown portraits, you know, like you've got to do something that speaks to you because the actual process itself is communicating to you non-verbally. It's communicating to you in a visual emotional context, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's how this process actually speaks to you. You know, when you we talked about this thing calling you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not a telephone call in my experience or a voice from some authority saying, Christopher, you have to do this now, you know? Right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I which on talk- one hand would be super annoying and on the other <laughs> hand, super comforting if I had some spirit telling me what to do all the time, you know what I mean? But it's more like something visually that's speaking to you and that kind of, Mike, how would you call it? Like this kind of thought emotional way. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely in a, a a manner of a sensation for me anyway, and I think it's probably different for each you know signature individual. I, I don't think there's probably. I mean, again, what we want to do is to homogenize by building bridges with dialogue in order to be able to define something and pin it down. And I get that, and that's necessary. But I guess I would just say that I think that take to, with a grain of salt my experience of it, because of course everyone has their own. Uh, I would say it's very much a sensational experience, and it's a no- Knowing, and that word is, I guess, one of the closest words I can find to it. Is it is a sensation of knowing, and when you know, there's no question. But if you're having a question, well, do I know that you don't know? <laughs> you know, that's it. Well, you know, we talked about this uh, last weekend, Mike. Remember, uh, I think I said that the the psyche doesn't communicate to you through words; it communicates through um, s- symbolic imagery. Yeah, you know uh, that's one way that one way that the, the psyche communicates because it's uh, it's it uses 
symbolism as its language. Universal. Right, right. So it's like sim- symbolic imagery uh, as a. That's why you were saying language. that. And, and, and it fractals too, because if you were to paint, let's say, a crucifix, right, or a lemon, and you really stare at it, inside it are a cacophony of imagery. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? There, this thing is also not just when you say symbolic imagery. What's so fascinating about that, like in a dream, it's constantly unfolding, and the further you can go, document each layer and go through each layer, you'll be very surprised at what you discover. Mm -hmm. Where you started off with a particular object or a particular exercise, and it fractals into something quite mysterious. And what I mean by mysterious meaning you begin to sense a pattern. And 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 I think that somebody who works for a long time it can be argued does the work create you or you create the work? Because the work actually has a way of leading you beyond what you know into the unknown. And I really feel that the only real pursuit, like everybody should wake up in the morning and say to themselves, I'm going to go into the unknown. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I am not doing what is known. Okay. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to respect what I know to a certain degree that, that gives me a false set of, um, you know, a, a, a false inflatable raft in the abysmal waters. But <laughs> I'm going to allow the pinprick of the unknown to pop that 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 uh, life jacket and submerge. Do you know what I mean? Because it's going into the unknown within your own self that creates wonder. And wonder is where you have the combination of that fear, which we all have to agree, you cannot get rid of. The sheer act of being alive is being in perpetual fear, whether you want, whether you're uh, at a heightened awareness of it or it's subdued. Fear is unshakable. So then, the idea of wonder, I would think, would be fear mixed with awe. Right. Interesting. Wonder is the, 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 the combination of being fearful, but being so amazed or fascinated by what is occurring that you go into it and thus neutralize it in many ways because you're not, you're not cling, fear wants you to cling, right? Being in awe makes you let go. Right. You see I would what agree. I mean? And that's so, what it's so, all about. Letting go. Yep. Right. That's so, it. so, so, so that's exactly what it's all about. So you have to take this thing seriously, and like in the beginning of our conversations, you have to have the twinkle in the eye with the joke or the laughter. I mean, what what is like one of the hallmarks of of any kind of documented bona fide spiritual experience is a person cries and laughs. Right. Right. That is a that is a combination of letting go. Fear transcending into the into awe, and I think that this is where it gets really interesting. This is the year 2017. Go back 
and look at 1950s sci-fi. They thought that in the year 2017, we would be like in flying cars and planets would be colonized and all this. <laughs> and I think that as a collective, we have to go into space as, a, as, as really something that is something where we're going to learn about ourselves and the true treasure of our world. Do you know what I mean? And then you ask me, well, how does space travel and the space program have to do anything with the dark arts? I can't think of anything more dark and artistic than going out into outer space. I mean, well, that- there's also there, there's also the, the the perennial experience of inner space that we all have immediate time travel accessibility to, which is inevitable and constant in the human experience. Time immemorial, really. Exactly, and we might like in in our previous story where we go out into the unknown looking for treasure and then realizing that the treasure exists within ourselves, we might discover that we ourselves are the warp drive, like you just yeah. described. You know what I mean? It's not just a mechanism or, or um, you know, you know one, of the re- one of the problems I have with a lot of sci-fi stories is I would lose my mind in one of their stories starships there's no paintings on the wall there's no like <laughs> true. you know like 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 if i was to have a starship i'd have a dining room you know what i mean with with drapery and curtains you definitely know i'm gonna have a suit of armor somewhere you know a fireplace i mean who the heck wants to be in a tin can <laughs> <laughs> right i mean you know i want a waterfront I mean, any self-respecting starship has to have a waterfall and a choo-choo train that delivers <laughs> cappuccino to you. You know, actually, like- no. I, I to, just to dovetail off the experience yesterday, the choo-choo train should pull out loose children's teeth because. Amelie, Chris's daughter, had had a dream about this amazing, like it was like a carnival dentist, and they had your teeth getting pulled out by amazing ways. And one of them was to have a train, and it attached your tooth. The train drove away and took your tooth out. Yeah. So <laughs> on, your tra- on your starship, if we're just being totally there with it, they're definitely the train. Not only is it fun, but it doubles as pulling out children's teeth. Yeah. In case you didn't know. And I, I really got to say, I, I, on that I, I, fantastical I, note, Chris, we have to put a pin in this because we're reaching beyond the people want to continue to tune in for more than an hour and 40 minutes kind of deal. <laughs> so I, I love talking with you and we can definitely go on, but I, I got to move on with my day as well. I think. Got it. No, I, I think that's a good place to end in on starships and choo-choo trains. And let me just take a moment to <laughs> thank you guys and, and do a shout out to uh, Amanda Sage, who I'm thinking of at the moment, because talk about uh, somebody who's deeply involved in, and in the spirit train and and starships and and where we've left this conversation off and just wanted to thank you guys for this opportunity and and yes there's a lot of wisdom in children so whatever a child says to you boy man you document that because (laughs) that is a a pure source of wisdom right there and it's just such a pleasure and take care of yourselves you guys yeah thanks so much for coming on well, definitely, we get, you know, obviously you got to be back on. So um, we'll call this episode uh, the uh, episode two, part two of the Christopher Ulrich interview. But, you know, we got to have you back on for sure for other topics because it's just too, too great. You're too, too much. You're too great. You're too great. Oh, You're just too you great for your it's own good. Pleasure. All right. Well, good luck to everybody out there, too. huh?
Yeah. And th- yeah, thanks. Yeah, guys, you know, I want to give a shout out here to Chet Czar for getting us all together. I wouldn't know Christopher Ulrich if it weren't for Chet. I wouldn't even be sitting here doing this podcast. So if you guys can show him a little bit of love by heading over to chetzar.bigcartel.com and you can buy all kinds of great merchandise. And that will basically continue to support us being able to do this. And also, if you can rate and review us on iTunes, especially review us, that's super, super awesome. It helps keep us in the charts where people can find us. Thanks again, guys. Yes. And thank you, uh, Mike, for doing this every week with me and thank you Christopher for coming on and spreading your wisdom to the world (laughs) my folly thank you (laughs) alright well we'll be talking to you soon then bye bye guys take care Chris see ya